And we are back with another instalment of EOTK Insider with the lovely Neil Jones. How are you doing this morning, Neil? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad at all. It's been a lovely start uh, to the pre-season fixtures. A 4-2 win uh, over Karlsruhe in Germany amid the German training camp. Um, just to kick things off, of course, because um, I assume you saw the fixture as well. Um, you know, What was your perspective on the moments that sort of defined the game? And in particular, I suppose, uh, the performances of our sort of two new signings in either half? Yeah, well, I mean, I was actually over in, in Germany. I went, went to the game and, and covered it. So it was... Um... pre-season fixture to be honest it was a, a really good atmosphere new stadium or re- newly renovated stadium opening 34,000 fans really the noise was something else really for a pre-season game and six goals six six pretty good goals as well you know nice nice uh, to see the those forwards get on the score sheet um, and yeah like you say the new the two new guys I mean you say it was a low key sort of first 45 each you know Sobosly in the first half Callison in the second they didn't do anything Extraordinary. They didn't do anything sort of out of you know what we expect from them, but they were they were very neat and tidy, and they looked very much like they were they were in sync with with the team that they were playing in. Um, Sobosly, you can tell straight away that he likes to have the ball at his feet. You know, he likes to be on you know involved in the game and and trying to trying to probe and create and keep the ball moving. Um, he looks like a good athlete as well, someone who can protect the ball. You know, the good size on him. And McAllister, what you know, was was everything that we've come to expect from him at Brighton. Really, really neat and tidy. You know, one touch or two touch. Um, happy to to lend the ball to people and get it back, and always in, in space to to receive. You know, another pass and ended up getting a, a nice little assist with a, with a through ball for Diogo Jota as well. So, I think if you, you're talking about sort of baby steps, if you like, and, and and the first steps into the into the new career, you couldn't have you couldn't have asked for for much more. I, I actually. Grab a chat with with Thomas Lai afterwards um, in, down the tunnel area and speak good English. You know, seems like a really confident guy, really, really self assured. And he was talking about you know sort of aiming high and making sure that Liverpool aren't you know sort of falling into this cycle, if you like, of oh we fell out of the Champions League. You know, he said as far as he's concerned, everything's on the table this season. Liverpool can can go and achieve anything they want. And during the game as well, I think one moment that sort of particularly sort of stood out, I think, was Trent sort of appearing to be played in the sort of number six um, position. I'm just just thinking sort of more sort of long term. Is this something that the club are thinking about as a potential sort of long term solution, or was it just more of a case of because this is constant debate, isn't there, whether Trent should be started in midfield or whether you know we're getting the best out of him by keeping him you know, in that right back position and sort of moving into that space in midfield where we can use his creative attributes. Yeah, I mean, I think for this game, I think more likely it was just the fact that who was available and who wasn't available. Obviously, there was things rumbling off the field and meant that Jordan Henderson and Fabinho weren't there. There was injuries to um, Thiago and, and Stefan Bajetic, which meant they couldn't feature. Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott weren't, weren't yet joined up with the, the squad. So that's there's six six midfielders missing already and you're, you're looking to field two sides um, or two different 11s. So that was it was more of a necessity, really. And it was interesting, obviously, that Liverpool played the first half with that. It wasn't with the box that we've expected with, with, with Trent. You know, when he's in midfield, it was with the 4-3-3. Um, it was a very, you know, unlikely midfield three, if you like, with, with Alexander-Arnold, with Sobosly and with Bobby Clark. Um, 
but I think I think they have to be considering it as an option. You know that they, they they don't have a great deal of obvious solutions at the moment. They don't have you know anything that you say. Well, that's that's the route that they've got to go down, or the route that they're definitely going down. I think everything's still a little bit up in the air with what they're going to do with the midfield, and in particular with the number six position or the or the deeper line midfield position. Um, I think you saw a bit of both with Trent again in that first half. You saw what he can bring. You know, he's lovely when he gets loads of touches and he keeps the ball, you know, ticking over and he can switch the play and he can do these things. But you also have to be very adept playing under pressure, but you're back to play sometimes and just bouncing it back to people and, you know, making your mind up quickly before you've, you've received the ball and being willing to win free kicks and things like that. And I don't think they're necessarily strengths of Alexander-Arnold. I think he, he can sometimes... He, he thrives when the game's ahead of him, doesn't he? And, and he's looking forward. So that would be something he'd have to adapt to. But I think in the in the shorter term, uh, I think we'll see a little bit more of it in, in the in the coming you know days and weeks with with the friendlies that are coming up. But I think in the longer term, Liverpool really need to find a, a solution that they're happy with, which involves either Alexander Arnold doing that hybrid role, you know, dipping in and out of right back in midfield, or they're buying someone that, that that plays that Fabinho role, and you know I think I think really the likelier option of the two is the, is the latter. I mean, we're certainly going to dive into transfers very shortly. It's what, what's everyone's talking about these days. Um, I just wanted to quickly touch upon because you mentioned injuries and um, the reports circulating around uh, Sabozlai's um, own injury. I think a, a role in ankle or something along yeah. those lines and the possibility that he might miss the behind-closed-doors uh, friendly with Firth. Um, is that accurate? Will, will, the, will the club be careful with him? Or is yeah. it just very much a minor injury and we'll see him back in training quite soon? Well, hopefully, yeah. I mean, it, the good news is obviously it's it's, it's a sort of a, a rolled ankle as opposed to a, a pulled calf or a, or a hamstring problem or something like that, which you wouldn't be really worried about going into the, the new season, obviously, at this stage. Um, he, hasn't, he hasn't trained. Friday, Saturday, um, Sunday. So I wouldn't expect him to feature against Greuther Force later today. Um, it's it's got to be a minor concern. Liverpool have played it down in terms of a long term issue, and it doesn't sound like it, it is something that's longer term. But it's got to be a concern because any training session, any any chance to sort of get to know his, his teammates a bit more and get minutes on the pitch and things like that is gonna is gonna you know be felt at this stage of the season. Um, and it would be frustrating for the player as well. You know, he was obviously very upbeat after making his debut on on Wednesday. He was looking forward to the next, and and I would imagine maybe not fourth, but certainly when we go to Singapore, you might see that sixty minutes, seventy minutes become become the norm for for some of the first team players, and you know that might that might cost them that. Um, but I don't think. Listen, last summer we had I think it was Alex Oxley Chamberlain pulled his, his hamstring, Diogo Jota pulled his hamstring and that was, they were sort of two, three month injuries. I don't think we're in that territory. I think it's more a couple of days of training. And, you know, I have to remember, Alison Becker didn't play on, on Wednesday. I think he's back in training. Um, so Liverpool are, are happy to be sort of careful with, with players around this time. Brilliant stuff, brilliant stuff. We're certainly all looking forward to seeing a bit more of Sabozlai in the coming weeks. Um, moving on to transfers, and I'm afraid it's a bit of a bizarre story to, to kick things off with. I don't know if you heard about this in the reports circulating from Saudi around Fabinho's uh, transfer. There was some suggesting that the move could be in jeopardy uh, due to the country's laws around dangerous dog breeds. And of course, Fabinho himself uh, possesses two uh, French bulldogs. Um Seems a bit too nuts to be accurate. 
uh, but you never really know nowadays. I, I, what's your what, what have you been hearing on, on this particular story? Yeah, well, nothing. I mean, I can't <laughs> talking about dogs in Saudi Arabia. Just isn't you know, it's not something that's crossed my my radar. All I can say is what's happened with Liverpool, and the, the, the deal is agreed between the clubs. Liverpool are expecting the deal to get done. Um, there's obviously a hold-up of some sort. I mean, whether it's payment plans or contracts or whatever, or whether it's dangerous dogs, um, that's we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But, I mean, that, that, these kind of stories often emerge, you know, when, when there's a, a delay in sort of a deal or a delay in, a, in official announcements. Um it would be a, it would be a new one, wouldn't it? It would be a new one to sort of cost the transfer. I don't think I've ever heard anything anything quite like that. Um, we've we've heard some U turns and, and 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 club clubs sort of changing their hearts or players changing their hearts. Um, you know, Liverpool have been Liverpool have been involved in a few of those, haven't they? With with Nabil Fakir and Steven Gerrard with a U turn when he was going to Chelsea. Um, I can remember not even longer ago, Lee Bowyer. Looked like he was going to sign once upon a time from Leeds and Liverpool pulled the plug. Um, but this one, yeah, I think we just have to wait and see. It's, it's, um, it, it would certainly be an, um, a, a brand new. It'd be one of those ones that would go in in quiz questions, wouldn't it? Or they go in sort of these listicles that we get about the strangest ever transfer collapses. If it was about a, um, a player and an agent and a club not doing their due diligence on something like that. No, I, I certainly don't think if we told the next generation of Liverpool fans why that transfer collapsed, I don't think anyone would really believe us um, until we showed them a Wikipedia page or something. Yeah. I, I mean, these two deals do look, uh, Henderson and Fabinho, they do look almost certain to happen really at this stage. Um, I just want to get the perspective really, you know, from the club's decision makers, are, are they thinking, is it just going to be one more midfielder? Because I mean, in my mind, it has to be, Two, you know, I think we were at the, the stage where they were mulling over a third when we had Henderson Fabinho in the side. What, what are their exact plans? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah, Henderson is all but done. I think it'll get completed this week. He, he completed the medical on on Friday, Saturday. Um, the contracts agreed, the, the fees agreed, so there's not much to stop it now, barring sort of last last minute paperwork and announcements and things like that. So. I think I think we're looking at both of them leaving. Um, I think the club will look. It, it, I think it'll depend on what they settle on in terms of the player or the or the, or the type of player. If they were to buy, let's just say they were to spend a hundred million on a player, that might just be the one that they, they they choose. If they were to spend less, then they might look at doing a, a more experienced one and a, and a younger one. And I think that's probably the most likely. Then it'll be two signings. Again, you know, we talk about Alexander Arnold. If, if they do decide that he's the midfield man, then it could be a right back and a midfielder that they look to sign, or or, or somebody can play a little bit of right back and midfield. Um, so I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's wise, and I think it's a trap for someone like me to say, oh, they're going to buy two, or they're going to buy three, or they're going to buy one. I think it's, I think there's a lot of parts of, that could change with it. You know, it's it's it depends what's available. And listen, if you're looking at what's been linked with Liverpool over the last few weeks or the last few days. It's not an inspiring list of names, is it? It's not something that you go, well, you have to push the boat out to get them. It's it's Liverpool finding a solution that's imperfect, you know, at a, with a bit of time constraints on it. So it's not, it isn't an ideal situation they find themselves in. I know Jürgen gave an interview on, on um, Friday where he sort of said, trust us, we'll get it right. And I think, you know, it's fair enough for him to ask that. But 
we'll have to wait and see what Liverpool do because I don't have a great deal of faith that they're going to get they're going to come out of this window stronger than they 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 went into it, um, or certainly say stronger than they went into it when 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 they'd only signed McAllister and Sobers. Like I think Liverpool will be weaker, or there's a good chance that Liverpool will be weaker when the season starts because it'll be really hard to replace Fabinho and Henderson, both as players and and as um, people who are you know on top of Liverpool's style, tactics, way they play. Um, unless they pull something really, really good out of the bag, and they might do. I think imperfect is, is the perfect description, really, especially, you know, as you say, you, you look at the names being linked um, from Xiao Palin, Palinia, Cheikh Dukure, uh, Romeo Lavia. They're, they're all sort of signings that potentially, you know, especially the, the younger pair could be brilliant Liverpool signings in the future, but it's you're looking at the developmental cost rather than sort of an instant fit. Um, We'll start with Romeo Lavia at the minute uh, because we've seen everything from odds being slashed on him signing for Liverpool. You know, is this very much still the player that Liverpool are focusing at the mo- on at the most? Do you get the impression for that holding midfield role? Um, I mean, it's been reported obviously we're trying to lower his fifty million asking price, but um, you know, we're, we're three weeks away from Stamford Bridge, aren't we? So you know, yeah. I, I think whilst there will certainly be an emphasis on Liverpool being calm about this. Um, ideally, and I certainly imagine from Klopp's perspective, we want to get whoever, especially in that position, whoever he wants there, quite quite soon in to work with them in pre-season before we kick off in, on a particularly difficult game against you know a new manager who you know could quite easily have reinvigorated a, a struggling Chelsea side by that point. Yeah, I think I think it's really hard to say that. Lavia is the one that Liverpool won above all others. I mean, he's the one that he wanted. They wanted in a different in a different world when they had a, a different side um, to build around, and that would have been one I think that would have been being focused on at this point. The world's changed. You know, they, they've lost they've lost seven hundred games, and the, the, to replace him with a nineteen year old is would be a risk. I don't think it's beyond the realms that Liverpool do do ask him to come in, or that they do try and sign him. But I think I think what's clear is that they probably need to get someone else if they do because it's just it's too much to put on any young player to, to come in and replace the club captain and a Brazil international who's played 200 games you know plays 40 games a season and does so in a, in a role that's so demanding not just physically and, 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 and technically but, but tactically as well and, and mentally and you have to be so strong and you have to be so consistent it, it just it just feels like it would be a huge a huge ask just to get Lavia so the reason or one of the reasons why you wouldn't expect Liverpool to sort of just go right, okay, let's push the button on Lavia is because they don't know who else they're going to be bringing in at this moment. So if you if you go and spend fifty million on Lavia and that, that that does your budget, and all of a sudden a player that actually can do it here and now is available, but you you haven't got the money because you've, you've spent it on Lavia, then you've you've painted yourself into another corner. So I think Liverpool will carry on negotiating. I think if there's a deal to be done with, which is at a good fee, good obviously the wages, I don't think will be an issue with with someone like Lavia, but if the fees are good. Which Liverpool think, well, do you know what? That's too good. That's too good to turn down the long term, thirty million or thirty-five million, whatever, whatever the, the sort of number that they they settle upon. Then I think they they will consider doing it. But they they absolutely, I, I can't, I can't see a world where Liverpool ask Romeo Lavia to fill the void left by Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. It just it would just be it would be unfair on on the young lads. It would be unfair on, <laughs> yeah, it'd be unfair on him more than anyone else because you know it's such a 
it's been such an important position. Um, so I think I think Lavia to me feels like it would be him plus one as opposed to him. No, that's the thing. It's a crazy thing at this window, isn't it? We're, we're at that stage really where we are. We're going to have to put pressure on someone to do that. Um, I think probably the name that sort of seems. I mean, we talked about Florentino uh, Louise uh, last week. You know, a, a really good profile as you mentioned. More someone you'd look at as a like for like replacement for Fabinho. But one name that I sort of looked into and I thought this probably makes it, it would feel like a Liverpool signing. Um, would, would be Crystal Palace's Cheikh Dukure. Um, as we've seen, of course, in, you know, Palace obviously bought him last summer uh, from Lens. So this is a player they're not going to want to let to go cheaply, as is their right, um, especially after, I think, the fans named in their player of the season. Uh, we've seen figures of uh, around, I think, 50 million was initially quoted, and I think the it's been since clarified around sort of 70 million. But then we're talking about a player that is 23 years of age now, as opposed to Lavia at 19 years of age. Would 70 million... For Liverpool, be as much of an obstacle for a player like Decoré as it would, as fifty million would be for a nineteen-year-old Lavia. Yes, I think it would. Um, I mean, you, you would be talking about Czech Decoré becoming Liverpool's second or third most expensive player at seventy million. I, I, listen, I think that obviously Palace put out, or it, Palace sort of sources put out that that's the thing. And I, I, you know, I'm guessing that's high end, sort of, um, you know. As clubs do that, don't do we? I, mean, I think a lot of people. We we saw stories about Alexis McAllister that he was going to be this much or this much. We've seen Caicedo was going to be a hundred odd million. It looks like it'll be less than that. You know, even Declan Rice really. I mean, he got to he got to a crazy fee, but I think West Ham were asking for more than that at one point. So there's always this negotiating tactic. The the thing with Decore is I can't I can't say that he he registered on my my radar a lot last season. He he was sort of. He was part of a Palace side that was pretty ordinary for for the most part, um, and then obviously got a, a good boost when they they got a manager changed, sort of in the in the spring. Um, but he didn't. He wasn't a player that I watched and thought he looked obviously that he was going to go higher than than Palace or that he was going to move through. You know, when you watch Palace, maybe your eyes are drawn to other players a little bit with Olise and Ebrichieze and Wolf Hard and people like that. Um, but. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He's 23. He's got a year of experience in the Premier League. Um, he was obviously done well before that in over in France. He's an international. He's profile-wise, he, he he does well in, in defensive metrics. I think, in particular, in sort of stopping counter attacks and 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 you know winning possession back in his own defensive third. People would have questions about him on the ball. You know. If the, Easy to forget sometimes with Jordan Henderson with Fabinho, but they would often have 90, 95 touches of the ball a, a game and, you know, passing accuracy sort of over 85, 80%. So you have to, you have to sort of, you have to be good on the ball to play in that position for Liverpool. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure whether Decore could make that leap or whether, you know, it would be, a, a, it would take a while for him to do it. Possibly, possibly he could. I, you know, as I say, I couldn't say I know him inside out. Um, but yeah, I mean, in an imperfect sort of set of solutions, if you're looking at someone who's sort of obviously physically, physically um, adept, defensively adept, that has played in the Premier League and is available, well, you have to sort of at least ask the, you know, you have to put them in the list and you have to ask the questions. Um, the question, or the bigger question, I think, would be over the levels and whether you know whether it's a player that's capable of stepping up. You know, it's not someone, it's not someone I've sort of 
senior market has been, well, he's just passed it through Palace. You know, he's gone to the very top of, of, of the game. It's it's it feels like someone who's sort of the club have circled back to a little bit after after being left in a bit of a hole. I mean, I mean, you mentioned about sort of players that sort of instantly draw the eye around the Premier League. I mean, the other name that, that has drawn plaudits, it would be perhaps Fulham's uh, Jao Palinia, certainly an older option. Um, I think we've seen reports suggesting that uh, Fulham would be looking for around £60 million. Uh, yeah, I think, I, think, well, I, think, I think you can rule that one out, can't we, quite safely. He dislocated his shoulder last night playing against Brighton at Brentford in the, um, in the Premier League International Cup. So I, I would... I would have been surprised anyway at that price and that age, but I think with a dislocated shoulder to throw into the mix, I think we can sort of rule that one out. Liverpool and I think West Ham was the other team that were quite strongly linked. It would be it would be a bizarre move for Liverpool to sort of put their eggs in an eighty million or whatever 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 million pound player that can't play. I, mean, I suppose it, sh- it shortens the list of sort of available options. Liverpool have now. I mean, you mentioned just before I even asked you about um, Dukuro or even Lavia um, that you know none of the options seem massively inspiring. There isn't that one name you look at and go, "Christ, you know, we get him." F- forget about it. That's a, that's a you know. So, is there any sort of eventuality that you look at from the available options? Perhaps some other names that haven't been directly linked, but you've seen and think would be a good fit. Is there any eventuality Liverpool could meet that would make you feel? more optimistic about the season coming ahead or, or do you sort of feel the names that are there those are the names and that's it just pick your best option no 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 I don't I think I think there's far more that we haven't we won't know about no there's no way that we know all of all of the players that Liverpool are looking at or the, the plates that Liverpool are spinning there'll be there'll be a lot of players that questions have been asked about or opportunities may emerge this one we didn't know about Dominic Soboslai until you know a few days before he signed so you know it would be Pretty elegant of me to say, oh no, we, we, we've got Liverpool's five man shortlist or six man shortlist, whatever it is. So, um, of course, there, there, there are players. Listen, if Liverpool were to sign Moises Casado, only Moises Casado, I would be so optimistic about Liverpool's chances for this season. I think he'd be the perfect sign if they were to sign Aurelien Giovanni from, from um, Real Madrid. I would be very optimistic about it. Whether they will or not, I would say probably not. But there are worlds where Liverpool can sort of move things around and, and surprise you. You know, they've done it before. If they've expedited moves for, for players, Gakpo, Luis Diaz, they moved pretty quickly for Darwin and Yez when, you know, there wasn't a huge sort of three-month saga of developing around that. They, they went, went and got it done. You know, you remember when they, you know, they signed Fabinho himself was one that came almost, you know, completely out of left field. No one really had sort of considered that Liverpool might might get that deal done. So there are there are surprise moves that can, can come up and there are players that can make Liverpool better. Um if you were asking me about the ones that I've seen I think I said on last week's show we sort of looked at sort of someone like Amrabat with with a Lavia or a Gravenberg alongside might might be a sort of a longer term option that could, you know, give a little bit of room to, to the younger player to to develop and become a, a real real first team star. Um, but I think personally, I mean, you know, I wrote about this last week, but I think Liverpool really need to be at risk in making themselves look stupid almost by asking questions about the very best who are out there. And there aren't very many obvious options, but there are players there that are playing at a high level who, you know, money 
potentially and a, and, a, and a really strong pitch could potentially turn their head and turn towards Anfield. So I would like Liverpool, if they aren't already, I'd like them to be in the mix for for Caicedo. I'd like them to be sort of asking, what can we do? You know, what can we what can we offer? Here? You know, do you want to be the centerpiece of our team? Do you want to be our sort of you know come and play with your mate Alexis? Do you want to be play on the clock? You know, don't wait for Chelsea. They're not even in the Europa League. You know, I, I would like Liverpool to be doing those kind of things. I'm sure. I'm sure behind the scenes somewhere they are doing those kind of things, or they have done in the past. Um, but yeah, you're right. If you look at the if you look at the list, that sort of. I mean, I even think that with Lavia, to be honest, I I think Lavia is a player of of potential, I really do. But he doesn't. He he isn't one that's that's grabbed me as the sort of wow, like you know, in the way that someone like Bellingham or or Chiumani have in the past, or you know, players like that, where you're looking and saying, wow, like he's the next superstar of midfield. To me, he looks like a player who could be a decent player, a more than decent player. Um, and the rest alongside them, you know, Calvin Phillips and Gravenberg and Amrabat are sort of players that are just, yeah, imperfect. Now, the Casado one's an interesting shout. I think especially the longer the difficulties around that deal between Chelsea and Brighton sort of play out, you do wonder why aren't Liverpool getting involved here? I know there were sort of prior, prior issues in terms of, I think there were some issues of sort of character reigned, raised around his um I think the sort of mini strop he had over a potential exit, but then the contract got sorted in the end. I think Roberto De Zabi uh, was speaking about it, made it very clear. Look, it's not me you have to convince. I think he'll be here for another year. It's Tony Bloom you need to convince. Um, and do you think that's probably going to be fee in excess of £70 million? But then you look at Kai Sado and you think, well, this is a player that's evidently ready to go now. The quality is there. He still also has potential to realise that this seems like such an obvious home run for a club in the Premier League. You, you, you almost, well, you, I suppose you do almost wonder why Liverpool aren't doing it. Um, I, I, no, well, the, money, the, money, the money is astronomical, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, that, that, Liverpool have never signed a midfielder for that much money. Have they, you know, that they, and, and the wages will be huge. You know, he was, he was going to go to Arsenal. In January, or wanted to go to Arsenal, he signed a new contract, a five-year contract, I think, um, and now Chelsea are in the mix. So it isn't, it isn't going to be a, a case of our oh, seventy million pounds. Yeah, it's going to be seventy million pound plus, you know, a five-year contract, six-year contract on a lot of money as well. So the financials are huge. That's the, that's the reason that people aren't, I would say, in the mix in the, in the sense of, you know, competing with, and also Chelsea, you know. You know what Chelsea are like as well. It, it could it could easily be a case where you make the offer, you convince the player, and Chelsea say, "Okay, we'll give you, we'll we'll, we'll put ten million pounds on top of that to Brighton, and, and we'll put X amount to the agents, and we'll do this." So, that those are the reasons Liverpool don't like getting involved in bidding wars and and you know sort of beauty contests, if you like, in terms of showing you know showing that they're the ones. But in terms of the player, it's it's you're right. It's a no brainer for for someone like Liverpool. It makes Liverpool better instantly. It's someone who can play a couple of positions. It's someone who's 21 and has got potential to get better and better. And I think it's someone who's proven that they're one of the best midfielders in the Premier League and potentially could be, you know, further afield. I suppose this is the thing, isn't it? I think when we talk about names like Lavia, I think you can you can see a world where this player becomes absolutely phenomenal, um, you know, a few years coaching under clock. But I suppose we're almost at the risk here where, you know, as you say, none of the names are hugely inspiring beyond maybe a Kaiseido, beyond the Tushmani. Um And you look at it and think, well, not, not, not is this another throwaway season 
for Liverpool. But after the season Liverpool just had, I think everyone was sort of going, thinking, okay, this one's going to be better. This is going to be a progression. You know, obviously, you know, the landscape has changed. I don't think anyone was expecting Saudi would come in uh, and bid for our two sort of one of our two most senior midfielders. Um, but you're almost looking at next season and thinking, God, this is going to be, you know, could this be another one where Liverpool almost have to get out of the way, especially if they're developing a younger player like Alavia uh, to fit into that sort of specialist uh, holding six role. Um, well, I mean, we discussed about incomings. I just want to quickly touch on uh, a few sort of potential exits. Um, I've, we've seen plenty of reports around Thiago's future. Uh, Sevilla, Real Sociedad have been linked from Spain. Reports of Saudi interests have also been touted. Um, Spain would, would seem perhaps the most natural option, perhaps the most favourable option to Thiago and his family. Is this a serious possibility uh, for the player? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose there's a couple of questions now is would Liverpool be as as keen to let him go given what they've lost already? I mean, it would be, it is easy to forget, isn't it? You know, we sort of, I think I think we get into the habit of losing our temper with players a little bit who get injured and sort of saying, well, I forget about them. They're not, they're no longer, but Thiago's a good player, you know. <laughs> Thiago, if he's on the pitch for Liverpool, can be quite influential and has been quite influential. So if you were, if you were, to lose him as well, I think he would. I, I think you'd be sort of, yeah, you, you you'd be taking a you'd be, you'd be taking a match to some of your some of your your stock really. You know, in in midfield options, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be leaving yourself in a great position so close to the new season. Um, there was interest obviously early in the summer from from Turkey and from Saudi Arabia, um, which was serious. By all accounts, Thiago refused that that interest. Um, on the grounds that he wanted to stay and 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 be part of Liverpool and and see out the last year of his contract, um, I haven't heard anything to suggest that's changed. He's, he's just back in, just back towards full train. I'm not sure if he'll feature in today's game, but I think you, you you'd be looking at the Singapore trip and you'd be expected to play in those games. I think there's a possibility. There's a possibility if he was to say that he wanted to leave, that Liverpool might, but that would leave Liverpool with even more work to do, and it would be a really imperfect situation. Really, you know, you'd be looking at. The amount of experience they'd be saying goodbye to would be crazy. Um, it might. I mean, I think then you would be in the territory of sort of writing off the season almost and saying, well, you know, this is a season of transition while we're just bedding in this, these five or four or five new midfield players or this this entirely new midfield unit. Um, it would feel a bit. It would feel crazy to be honest. I expected Thiago to leave at the start of the summer, but that was long before the idea of Fabinho and Henderson gone was was ever ever floated. Um, I would lean towards him probably staying and staying around for another year and then leaving on a free at the end of next season. Yeah, I think I think that's a spot on to be honest. Like now that you've left Fabinho, Fabinho and Jordan Henderson going, you you can't really afford to let a third senior midfielder. I think we were talking Liverpool bringing in another midfielder when we had Fabinho and Jordan Henderson. Now we're talking about replacing those two. It, it's too much work. It's far too much work for Liverpool to do in, in one window, especially thinking, well, you're not going to be getting. You're probably not going to be getting. Forty million for Thiago yeah. as you would for a Fabinho. Do you know what I mean? It's and, probably going to be more and, than that. And you have to you have to remember as well. It's not it's not uh, it's not impossible to get better players than those three. It's unlikely to get better players than those three. One 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 of them. It's 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 almost impossible to get better players than those three. All three in the same window. You know. You are the, the the sort of hit rate with transfers tends to be sort of you know maybe two thirds or or less 
Um, so it would, it would be Liverpool would have to get really lucky if they got an upgrade on Fabinho, an upgrade on Henderson, an upgrade on Thiago in the same window. They would, I think, I think the only thing that they could really do is get good players in who can be fit, fitted in, and sort of you know, if if they're not going down the route of getting a sort of a marquee player that's that's going to come in and, and really sort of hit the ground running. The best they can do is sort of get decent players in that aren't good, probably aren't going to be as good one v one or or are going to be less consistent or are going to be a little bit less you know finished article players. Um, so it, it does. I mean, I still think it's quite exciting that Liverpool are going to look so different. But you have to remember that you know, for all of the struggles that we had with with with, with Fabinho last season, he still played a lot of games. For all the struggles we had with Jordan Henderson, he still played a lot of games. Thiago. You know, still does things on the pitch that a few players can do and, and would be missed. And they, and we have seen, we know that their level when they are playing well is higher than, than most midfielders in, in, in world football. So it is a huge ask sort of to, to replace those players. That's why, you know, we're sort of, we're waiting with bated breath, aren't we really, and seeing what, what Jürgen and, and, and the team do. No, absolutely. I, I think... I think we can we can feel some concern about how we're going to feel uh, replace these players, but you know, I think, like you said, it's you know it's still ripe to feel excited about it too because this is a period of major change, and I think you look at this Liverpool side and you know the changed the age profile, the age complexion of that midfield, and you think, my God, you know this is really the forward line, the midfield. Yeah, there are questions all going around the the back line, um, which we won't have time for today, but. Um, I think on the whole, Liverpool are sort of <laughs> a rising force. How they rise next yeah. season is something to look, but... look, I mean, listen, I mean, I can speak for myself on, on this. When Liverpool signed Philippe Coutinho, I thought, well, what's, what's that? That, that's just a sign that's, you know, that they signed a, a name that was good a couple of years ago. He's not, you know, and, and look, what it, look what he turned out. When he signed Daniel Sturridge, I thought, you know, like, he's not that good at Chelsea. When he signed Andy Robertson, I thought, well, there's another one to add to the list of left-backs that, that, that aren't good enough to, to play for Liverpool. Genie went out and I was like, well, why have they ended up with him? You know, like, he's been relegated from Newcastle. You know, Joel Matip on a free transfer. Sadio Mane, to a degree, where you're looking at and saying, well, yeah, Southampton, you know, I'm not sure. You know, Shaqiri. These players... They might not be your your sort of signing, but Liverpool can still build. Jurgen Klopp has proven that he can build a good team and he can make players better. So you have to give him that that sense of, you know, trust and and, and responsibility that he's going to do that. I think just the, the the one thing is that probably aside from Coutinho, he's never had to do it so sort of unexpectedly. If you like, you know, there's always been an element of planning around it. There's always been this right. Okay, who do we need? Right, we need that kind of player. We need that kind of player. This is a different situation where this is this is right. We, we we've done that, and all of a sudden someone said, "By the way, we're going to take that little piece of the jigsaw out as well." So this is a new situation for him to prove himself in. But if anyone sort of has proven that they'll make the best of a bad situation, it's 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 Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool, isn't it? So fingers crossed they do. Um, it's just that until we see who it is and what it is and what the sort of system is, it, listen, it could be it could be that Liverpool go and buy a brand new centre back, go three at the back and play Trent in midfield, and and we go, oh wow, this looks completely different. It could be that they go right, we're going to put all our money down for Frankie De Jong or Joshua Kimmich or Tuamani or whoever, and we're going to just absolutely go on the, the Manchester United route of Merdistan Casemiro, and we just say we're going to get the best that's available. They might just they might just go on a couple of gambles. They're likely. History tells you they're probably likely to get a couple of players that 
some fans think, mm, I wouldn't have bought him. And, and Klopp can turn him into an absolute diamond. It could be Lavia Gravenberg. It could be anyone. So I think Klopp's, Klopp's request for trust is absolutely should be listened to. Um, it's just that obviously it'd be quite nice if it was done by the time Liverpool take to the field at Stamford Bridge. And what, what are we talking here? We're talking 20 days. A little scary, isn't it? I mean, I mean you're absolutely <laughs> right. I think we, we, we're not even though, thinking about even the system changes that would ease that transition. And I think the other point is, I think that's, uh, as you as you mentioned, I think a friend, I was talking about with a friend actually before, um, you know, could you imagine if we were dealing this, with this problem without our current recruitment team, without Jurgen Klopp? It, it's a very bleak picture, um, really, by that point. Um, just lastly, I, th- I think one, one name I wanted to touch upon, um, it's one name I, I certainly wouldn't want Liverpool to lose, but I could understand if it happens, it is that of Kevin Kelleher. Um, Wolves reportedly, or will reportedly launch a bid, but uh, the same report, I think, coming from the Daily Mail, might be, uh, suggesting that Jose Sarr could leave this summer. Obviously, this is a player that Jurgen Klopp doesn't want to leave, um, and Liverpool will demand a fair price here. Um, what what bids would Liverpool be prepared to release a player of this quality? Because it, it does actually astound me, you know, especially now I think I look across the league and say a Tottenham, for instance, with Hugo Lloris' situation. I'm astounded that um, a, bit, a reasonably big club hasn't come in for a player of Kelleher's quality. Because you look at a, a player that doesn't, you know, wasn't phased at all by the prospect of covering for Alisson Becker in the Champions League, wasn't phased about covering for Alisson Becker in the Premier League. You know, I, I think you could argue, well, you know, he's, he's just popped in here and there. But I think, you know, this is a player that I think has proven over the last few years that, you know, he is a safe pair of hands. I don't think anyone's suggesting he's Alison Alison Becker level of quality, but this is certainly a, a very, very good goalkeeper. And I would, I would argue top half of the Premier League, at least, if, if not a Champions League club. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, I think maybe there's an element of clubs would rather see him on a weekly basis, and you know, I, I could understand that. You know, we could we, we talk about, I talk about Lavia, don't I, and say, you know, he's only played 30 odd games, and Keller has played less than that. So, I can understand why your club would say, Yeah, we think he's a really good goalkeeper, but you know, if, if we're talking about paying a decent fee for him, we'd rather see him playing Saturday, Wednesday, and, and seeing how he responds when he makes a mistake and he isn't taking out the team or something like that. You know, he, I don't know, I, I wouldn't like to guess, but. I would imagine he hasn't played more than a handful of games in a row, maybe even three or four in, in his career, which, you know, for a goalkeeper, I think is quite significant. You know, you, you do have, what the, who are the best goalkeepers? The best goalkeepers are the ones who we say are consistent, aren't we? And like you say, we only really see Keller has sort of every couple of months. I do think style-wise, I think he suits an awful lot of teams in the Premier League. You know, you look at, I mean, I watched Brighton last season. He's a better goalkeeper than Jason Steele, um, who, who was in goal for Brighton at the back end of last season. And a similar style as well, you know, really good on the ball, can pass, never phased, decent height. Um, I look at, you know, Chelsea paid how much money, you know, to sign um, Kepa. I don't see, I don't see a huge sort of difference there when I watch the two goalkeepers combine. You know, I, I don't, I don't look and think, well, you know, if Liverpool had Kepa, they'd be better. Or if, uh, but it, it, it just looks, it just looks like a. I like for life almost. So, yeah, there are there are clubs in the Premier League. I think that he would suit. Um, I think he, I think it will depend. I mean, Wolves would be one, wouldn't it? Wolves would be a decent sort of size club, decent ambitions, 
obviously good good fan base and crowd. If you were to get your first, your first move sort of away from Liverpool, Wolves would be a, a terrible one to get. Um, I think the fee, I think from a Liverpool point of view, it'd have to make a lot of sense. It'd have to be twenty million, I would imagine, close to or above. Um, they've got a lot of goalkeepers over in Germany at the moment. Haven't they? You know, don't forget sort of Vitor Aras, who, who was in goal in the second half on on Wednesday. You know, he was he was part of the Czech Republic side at the under twenty ones Euros. He's he's obviously a a talented keeper as well. They've obviously got you know younger lads like Pitaluga and and um, Fabian Rojek, uh, and then Adrian's still there. But Liverpool would have to replace, I think, Kelleher. Um, if he was to go, they'd have to get in a second choice goalkeeper. So yeah, they'd have to the deal would have to make sense financially for that. You know, to allow Liverpool to to do what they've got to do already, and also to to replace their their backup goalkeeper. Well, there you have it. There you have it. I think uh, we're inching ever closer now uh, to the Premier League yeah. season. So it's an exciting but scary time uh, for Liverpool. And what better time, really, than to catch uh, your own content, Neil, um, on your own Substack at neiljay.substack.com. And we can also find you on Twitter at Neil Jones Goal. Likewise, uh, if you're watching this on Empire's YouTube, be sure to drop us a like, share your thoughts on Liverpool's transfer window in the comment section, and hit that subscribe button. And don't worry at all, you can catch uh, Neil's full column here on our substack at empireofthecop.substack.com and an audio version on the same platform. Uh, Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on again on the ETK Insider. Thank you for watching. This has been Empire of the Cop at ETK Insider. Take care.